You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Did Dez catch it? <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> Tough question. <laughs> no, it's, I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Because I, I, I had one time out, and, and I think we had a little over four minutes left in the game, and, and I said it after the game, that was one hell of an athletic play. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I was impressed. I, I think it was clearly a, a the technic, technical rule at that time. You know, Steven has since gotten a change on the competition committee. So <laughs> it, it, it was a great catch, I can say now, but it, it, it wasn't then, technically. So. <laughs> Hello, Cowboys Nation. Welcome back to episode nine, maybe episode 10. Ah, we're, we're losing track of the Writer's Block podcast. I am part one of part two co-host Brandon Laurie. You could follow me on Twitter at, at Brandon is right. And that's W-R-I-T-E. Along with me back in action is Ms. Jess Navarez, who's in the midst of moving. It's a very chaotic life right now for Jess. But you know what? She's taking time. She's still dedicated to her Cowboys content. And she's here again back for another episode. Jess, what's going on? Hey, Brandon. You know what? Like you said, life's chaotic, life's fun, but it's all its all worth it. And of course, of course I'm taking time for this. This is fun. I love it. And uh, I wouldn't miss it. So yeah, we've lost track of the episode numbers at this point. We've just had too much fun. I mean, can you really blame us? We're a fun crowd over here at the Writer's Block Podcast. At least I've been told, all right? And and yes, I'm, I'm uh, telling, me, telling you what that is what my mom tells me. So I guess she has to say that, right? But exactly. All is well. All is well. All is good in the middle of a move. Um, so if y'all have ever moved, you know how it goes. Boxes everywhere. I'm set up in like this little corner right now talking to Brandon. Uh, the dog's over here chewing something that I don't even know. Life <laughs> is chaotic, but it is so worth it because this is the perfect week to come off of the bye week for. Uh, so, yeah, and you mentioned it. We're coming off the bye week. The Cowboys are well rested. We'll get into um, some potential injury news for the game this weekend. But you mentioned the bye week. It's over. The Cowboys are now back in action. Um Coming off of the bye week, you know, the Cowboys were in the midst of potential trade talks. And I know we didn't get really a chance to talk about it too much. We were talking about maybe do they trade for somebody. Of course, we talked with Scooter Magruder uh, last week. A uh, great, great guy. Please go and follow him. But we were kind so of, oh, yeah, we were trying to figure out, you know, what position of need do the Cowboys trade for? And there were talks of potential wide receiver help. But, of course, they don't make the trade. The only one that they make is Jonathan Hankins for defensive tackle. Jess, for your initial reaction, were you shocked that they didn't make a trade? Um, or is it just something that you just figured, eh, you know what, if it doesn't happen, we're perfectly fine? No, I wasn't shocked by any means. I mean, I think it was kind of written on the walls for a long time. And, you know, I, I get wanting to be hopeful and wanting to be optimistic. I just knew kind of in my heart of hearts that it wasn't going to happen, but I was hopeful, you know, to say that I didn't think it was going to happen, but I wanted to be pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, but I also think when you've heard this echoed mentality of the younger guys stepping up to taking these, to take their opportunities, I, I didn't really see how making that trade was going to happen. I did see that they were kind of trying to make some stuff happen. Um, but I wasn't surprised. And and really, I think at this point, it is what it is, right? I think we all could agree on what positions needed the most help, um, especially, you know, like we talked about with Jordan Lewis and his uh, season-ending injury. And then you even go to the offensive side of the ball with the wide receiver core, which has been a topic of a conversation since well before the season even started. So, um, you know, you, you can sit there and speculate, but I, I think – 
I wasn't shocked. Were, were you shocked? Were you a little more hopeful than I was? Yeah. I, I, you know what? I think when I was talking with Tony about this last week in our bi-week special episode, we kind of mentioned a headline of how Jalen Tolbert originally going into the into the season, he was headlined as being uh, the biggest offseason offensive acquisition. And unfortunately, it hasn't panned out in any remote, remote capacity um, to, to fit that headline. So I think that for me, I told Tony, I said, listen, if they don't go and, and grab somebody at wide receiver, that must mean that one of two things. One, they have confidence in James Washington contributing this season that he, he'll be back sooner than later. Or they're also trying to keep Jalen Tolbert's confidence up and try and work him in towards the end of the season. And I mentioned to him, too, that the Noah Brown injury before the the game last week or two weeks ago against the Bears, he was out. Um, it could be a, a, that they wanted to give him two weeks of rest. But if that injury lingers into this week for whatever reason, it it opens up the opportunity for Jalen Tolbert to get back on the field, which I think will help his development. And again, this is Dak's guy. So the more time that they get to work together in a game capacity, get in the huddle, I think that helps with his development. And like the Joneses always say, they, they like their guys. They're, they're very happy with their guys. And I have to agree. You don't really want to mess up the chemistry too much. And the price that they would have had to pay reportedly was, I think, a little too high for what I would have done as well, too. And you just paid someone like Michael Gallup uh, big money in the wide receiver room. If you add another contract to that, that means maybe less money for a CD lamb two years from now. That might mean less money for Trayvon Diggs in the off season and sign him early. And those are the guys who I want to sign more than somebody from the outside and keep our homegrown guys. So yes, I was, I think a little surprised because of what we were hearing coming from Jerry Jones of how he understands the position. But I think I was happy just to see that they were active you know, and actually try and pursue something um, that they weren't just sitting on their hands. So if it doesn't work out, totally fine. If not, we have a six and two team that we're very happy with right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans lose sight of the fact of just that this team is six and two. Yeah. They are not well, they're not bad in a bad position by any means. Right. So it's, it's uh, just, it's interesting to hear the rhetoric of, um, of some of these, you know, headlines sometimes, because you're talking about a six and two team, which is one of the better records in the league, not even just in the NFC East, you're talking the entire league. So um, I, I think that's a good reminder to put it that way. But also I think when it comes to, Oh, there's Wit. Wit wants to join in on the discussion. <laughs> um, but when it comes to James Washington, when I was uh, on Mickey Spagnola's podcast last week, it mentioned that he felt pretty confident James Washington, either returning for the green Bay game, if not green Bay, then, next week so um just something to keep in mind going forward i think uh even mike mccarthy talked about it in his press conference um on monday morning and he mentioned james washington let's see said that they are quote talking about him this week quote so to me that's pretty interesting and um you know like we had talked about last week i don't think james washington is the end all be all solution for the cowboys wide receiver group but really you also don't know, and we'll go back to this conversation, you don't know what exactly your wide receiver group is going to look like with Dak Prescott in. You've only seen him now for two games, and really, you didn't have a full-strength offense for you know the Bears game. You had Zeke out, you had Noah Brown out, so I think it's going to be interesting. This will be the tell-all week. Oh, week's, uh, Wits over here cheering like, yay! <laughs> He's we so happy. Receivers. He's just so thrilled. Um so, yeah, he is going hard on this toy over here. But, um, you know, I think this will be the week that we really see what that wide receiver core is going to look like for the offense. And I think James Washington coming in is going to be more impactful than people want to give him credit for. So, you yeah. know, and Jalen Tolbert, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before as well, that Jalen Tolbert and James Washington, from what I've seen in the locker room, they have a brotherhood. Those two. So really, I think what you see out of Jalen Tolbert, not discrediting his work by any means, but he has a mentorship with James Washington, who is giving him some pointers as well. So I think that'll be interesting to look out for. I also talked with Tony, too, how the depth of this team, I think, is something that goes 
uh, unnoticed a little bit. I mean, I think that when we see somebody like a J. Ron Kurse get injured in the Bears game, somebody steps in in his place and performs at a high level. You look at, you were talking about injuries and transitioning into the next thing, is that, you know, Zeke was banged up going into the Bears game after the Lions game, after he had what was like a hyperextension, uh, hyperextension type contusion injury, and they decided to give him an extra week of rest. And we saw last season when Zeke was injured, they kind of just played him throughout the rest of the year and didn't give him rest until the Eagles game. And maybe that impacted his season. This, this time around, they decided, you know what, let's give him the extra two weeks of rest. Initially, your reaction to that, were, were you happy with that decision which again gave Tony Pollard uh you know his carries his flowers for for the game um for the Bears game but also too what is the status for Zeke right now that you're hearing from the star yeah so um personally I was more than happy with the decision for Zeke to not participate in the Bears game because yeah we we did see how he slowly lost production throughout the duration of the season after his last knee injury and of course, that started up the conversation of, you know, all the Zeke haters, which I'm not going to address because, yeah. you know, that drives me bonkers. But it started that conversation. But also, you know, when you think about that for Zeke, how frustrating would that be to know that you're capable of doing better, but your body physically can't because it doesn't have the proper time to heal. Um, and I think what we saw was, you know, just that his body was failing him. He can't control that. So um, I completely agree with the decision to sit him, give him two weeks to rest. I know he didn't participate in Monday's practice. So I think that, uh, again, it was a light practice, but I think just the fact that they're allowing him to heal and have a full strength Zeke for the duration of the season is important because you need Zeke. I, Tony Pollard, all the flowers, yes, but they are so much stronger when you have both of them in. I mean, Zeke wears down a defense so much, and he is such an impact player. Tony Pollard obviously has that burst, that speed, but, you know, I I think both of them need to be on the field, and both of them need to be on this roster, both of them need to be on this team to have an impactful running game. And again, I'm not discrediting what Tony Pollard did. Do I think Tony Pollard could handle a full-time load as a running back one? Absolutely, I do. He should be able to. At this point, I would be worried if he couldn't. But I think, yes, let him heal. Um, I haven't heard anything else. Um, Really, I, I got in there a little bit late today. I didn't hear anything. But I do know that Mike McCarthy will take injuries very serious. And he has a constant conversation going with these players when an injury does occur. So I would say if you do start to see Zeke participating in practice a little bit more, that's an indicator that Mike McCarthy feels comfortable and confident with what the training staff is telling him based on what they're seeing. So again, Mike McCarthy's not the kind of coach that just, Hey, you're hurt. Okay. See you when I see you. No, like he's talking to these guys Every single day about their injury, he's getting updates from them, from Britt Brown and his staff, who is just absolutely incredible, and they do phenomenal things on that side of you know their work. But I would say it's more than likely possible that you will see Zeke back in, and that was the point of sitting him throughout the Bears game. Yeah, and that was going to lead into my next question for you, is that if, if Elliot is maybe 80% there, 75 maybe, do you play him – this weekend or do you sit him for one more week knowing of what you saw in a Tony Pollard and a Malik Davis to step up and say you know what they can handle that workload and again Green Bay um, they're not they're not a hot team right now so it's another sort of situation where yes it would be great to have him in the lineup but if he's not 100% healthy do you rest in one more week or if it's an 80% 80% Zeke you'd rather have him in the lineup at that level Yeah, I mean, I think when given the choice to have a fully healthy player, of course, you pick that route. I would be okay with sitting Zeke during this game. However, what player is 100% healthy right now, nine weeks into the season? Um, I think everybody's banged up. I think a lot of these bye weeks come at the right moment for these guys just because of how strenuous and how much beating their bodies get during this point of the season. So I do think if they feel confident enough to sit him yeah I don't think that's a bad option at all I think Tony Pollard proved 
not just look I think Tony Pollard has proved himself long before the Bears game and I think he will continue to prove himself long after it Um, I just don't understand why people were so shocked to see him be so productive during the Bears game Uh, again he should be able to handle the load as running back one if needed but yeah I think if you can sit Zeke get away with him being you know a little bit more healthy uh, with one more week of rest do it if you can go, if you can feel confident enough in Tony Pollard, which obviously they do, and you can get Zeke another week of rest, sure. I'm all for that. Like you said, it'd be much different if we were talking about, say, like the 2014 Packers team. It would be a very different situation. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned the Mike McCarthy press conference for Monday. I rewatched it um, because I wasn't able to catch it live. I think that that was Mike McCarthy's best uh, press conference that he's had since he's been the head coach of the Cowboys. You could tell that I I said that this has a very familiar feel to what it was like when uh, the Cowboys were playing Atlanta last year, when Dan Quinn was here for his first year. It just seems like that it means a little bit more when these former coaches are playing the teams for the first time after leaving. Your initial reaction from Mike McCarthy's press conference, I got a whole list of notes here that I wrote down, but I want to know for you, what did you take away from it and what were some things that he said that stood out? Oh, man. You know, you hit the nail right on the head. I I talked about this a little bit on Girls Talk, Boys Talk today. And I said, if this press conference did not win you over as a Cowboys fan to support Mike McCarthy as the head coach, you're not watching enough because the amount of vulnerability that I think he's allowed us to have see or to have seen from him in the last, I'll say, year alone has been incredible and he has gotten more vulnerable a little bit more vocal he plays he jokes he plays even with the local media members and he's really funny actually like his sense of humor hilarious but off topic the point is is i think this was his best press conference and it wasn't anything specific that he said it was just his his attitude and being so honest and showing a different side of coaching that I don't think we really think about when we think about football and we think of it as a game we think of our team we think of the players you think of your quarterback you think of your running back you think of your star players you think of your Micah Parsons and uh you know your your Dak Prescott's but you don't think of how much this game impacts every single person that is involved you don't think of hey This head coach spends his entire day, his holidays, his life with this team more than he does his own family. You don't think about how, you know, the coach's coach's wife and kids have to move their life any single time their dad gets, their dad, their husband gets a new job, right? I mean, you, you just don't think of those things because why would you, you know, like you're watching football to watch football, but I loved how Mike McCarthy shined the light on a different aspect of coaching that is so raw. It's so honest. And I think it should be talked about more. You know, Mike McCarthy wasn't sitting up there to get praised for, for moving his family in this. He's just being honest. I mean, he's not going to sit there and say, Oh, I want to, I want to win this game more than other games. Of course not. He wants a win no matter what. And he wants to win every week. But I think what really stood out to me was the fact that he got so teared up when he was asked about his wife. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't even, he wasn't asked anything football related. It was, how does your wife feel? And that made him emotional. Come on guys. How, like, how could you not, how could you not support that? Like a, a man that will sit up, sit up there and tear about to have tears in his eyes about his wife. Are you kidding me? Count me in. Like, I'm so supportive of that kind of mentality because that tells me how he views his family, how he views his wife, his values. His values are very aligned, and, and I really respect the hell out of Coach McCarthy. But what are your notes? I'm dying to know. Yeah. I, would, I was dying to talk to you about this all day. Yeah, he uh, he's he was given a lot of grief in the beginning of the, the season before it even started about how his job was his job security was in question you know people were talking about oh was Sean Payton leaving is this sort of like an exit for for Mike McCarthy and for Sean Payton to slide right in Dak Prescott gets gets injured week one there's a, a couple other injuries and you think the sky is falling in Dallas and it's setting up for Mike McCarthy's exit and I think that out of the the three seasons that he's been here, 2020, 2021, and and this season, I think this is the best performance we've seen of Mike McCarthy uh, to being able to bounce back. And I would actually argue that these previous two seasons are the best of his coaching career. And I say that in a sense where you're coming off of the pandemic 
for the season of what it was and you're you're entering a new facility a new city like what you talked about moving your family it's a tough transition and to be able to try and navigate without having Dak for the majority of the season when he took that gruesome injury it, it took a lot of credit for him to try and figure out okay where is this football team and where is it going and I know people were saying, well, the, the commanders had a brand new coach um, and they were able to make it to the playoffs and stuff. And yes, OK, th- there are certain things of what you can argue, but you throw that out the window. But for him to come back the following season, take the team to the playoffs, you know, they had a six and two record at this time last season as well. And they were riding high. Of course, the second half the, of the season didn't end up as promising as it did for the first part but he took the team to the playoffs when you look at the historically bad defense the team of what was 2020 nobody was expecting that to happen in 2021 and flash forward to this season again expectations are pretty high and he's meeting those expectations and he knows the temperature of his team I think that what we've talked about before on this podcast is knowing who your team is, who they are, and also the health of your team. I think that that's an underrated part of his coaching. And you saw that with his press conference, like you mentioned, this idea of family, like he brings that to the table with the Cowboys. And you you mentioned this, this talk of uh, also like going back to Green Bay, this legacy of what the Green Bay Packers is. And he was uh, mentioned in the same sentence of Mike Holmgren and uh, Vince Lombardi. Somebody asked him the question and they said, how do you feel? being in that sort of conversation with these guys. And he's like, I actually never thought about that. And you would think being one of the only court, uh, one of the head coaches to take the Green Bay Packers to the Super Bowl and win, you think that that would have crossed his mind, but he wasn't thinking about that because again, like you said, he's not about the glitz and glamor. He's about football solely. When you think about if he takes Dallas to the Super Bowl and wins where he stacks up in that coaching conversation too, Tom Landry, Jimmy Johnson, he would probably be higher than a Barry Switzer. You know, when you look at, you know, what, the two coaches were comparing to. So I think that that part hit home for me. And you mentioned the one part about him getting choked up. The other part was when he was asked, what does he miss most? You know, the people, the community green Bay is a different football franchise. Unlike any of the other 31 teams in the NFL, like that is a community of, of people that live literally right outside the stadium. So it, it's a different environment. And the fact, like you said, he's lived there for 13 years during his coaching time, like that hits home. Um, and I think that that was great to kind of see that come across. Uh, and, and like you said, the local media, they were hitting him hard with those questions and he didn't want anything of it, but he didn't turn them down. He answered every question, which I give him a lot of credit for. Yeah. And you know what I think is just so overlooked about Mike McCarthy is I mean, this guy, he has a great personality. Oh, <laughs> oh absolutely. The absolutely. morale he brings to the locker room. I mean, okay, look, the morale he brings to the press conferences is something else, right? But you know these guys are so bought into what he's saying. They respect him. They they really do. And I, I love the amount of trust that he has in these players because, really, you look at the bye week, okay, and – all right, let's go back a few years. At what point, at at that point, could you sit there comfortably during a bye week? I honestly opened Twitter maybe four times the entirety of the bye week and was like, all right, we're good. Just to check, just to see news. You know, I tried to unplug a little bit. I'm sorry, but that would not have been possible if you even take it a few years back to where it's like, oh God, what headline is going to come out? What's going to happen? You know, you, you get a little worried during the bye week, but... I think these players just have so much respect for this culture that he's built. And something that I also appreciated that he mentioned was how the history is in the bricks of the star. Yeah. Yeah. And he is right. I mean, when you walk in there, it is just such a different feeling. This it's an environment that I, I really can't do justice by trying to explain, but he adds to that. So it's not like he's, he's in there and he's, you know, with a giant, arrogant head saying yeah i'm the head coach of the dallas cowboys he adds value and he adds so 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 much to this team so yeah this is officially a non-mike mccarthy slander podcast which doesn't mean that we're not going to hold him accountable because i think that gets twisted is you can hold somebody accountable but you can also be very supportive of what they're creating within the team and i think mike mccarthy has earned or should have earned everybody's respect um, at this point. But if he hasn't and you're still on the fence about him, I really encourage you to go listen to Monday's press conference because it really was, like you said, Brandon, it was the best press conference I think he's ever had. Uh, I'm going to even go on a ledge here to say ever as a head coach. I, I really think 
Dallas has brought such a healthy side out of things for him. So good for Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And like I've mentioned before, I think that he finally knows how to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He's able to navigate, you know, when Jerry says something, how he has to either confirm what he says or just say his own thing and just like be very coy. Um, I I think that you could see it with the rapport with the media. He's starting to get a lot more friendly. Um, I I also like the, the last question that he had from Brad Sham, where he's like, Oh, what do you think of, uh, Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys was the first thing that comes to mind. He mentioned the ice bowl, but then the second one was the the no catch. Of course, the infamous you know Des Bryant uh, no catch. But then he he quickly adjusted and said uh, catch that was ruled in incompletion. He's like Jerry, you know. Of course, that's what Jerry said. Um, I, I also want to know because again, you're in the facility, you see certain players, the mood and emotion. I mentioned kind of at the top of the podcast how Dan Quinn last season won. Uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they hammered the Falcons. They Dan Quinn got a game ball at the end of the game. Does it feel like that the vibe is they the players are going to win this game for Mike McCarthy? Like that's what is in their mind heading into the Green Bay week? Yeah, so I um, I didn't see any players today. I didn't go in locker room today, but I did see some tweets and I haven't watched them yet, but there was some locker room interviews, but I did see some tweets that went out that said, uh, I, I believe they asked Jaron curse. Hey, how bad do you want to win this for Mike McCarthy? And he was like, no, we want to win this for him. I, I think inevitably when guys like that are so bought into this culture, they're going to, they're going to have a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder and, and a little bit more pressure to win for their coach. I mean, after everything, your coach does for you. You look at any kind of sport, any kind of activity you've ever done or played in your life. And if you know, and you have that respect for a coach, I mean, you know, growing up in dance, if, if something meant even more to my coach and I respected her so, so much, and I knew it meant more to win something, I played harder. I went harder that week. I practiced harder that week. And not to say I didn't try to go a hundred percent every day, every practice, but these guys, I, I just, I'm curious to be around the star a little bit more this week to see if I get that vibe because I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm like 99.9% sure that's the vibe this week is all right. We obviously want to win every week, but we want to win for coach. And just after everything that he has done for them and all of the encouragement he's always giving them and even the trust you had the trust factor into things. I mean, you're talking about the coach that gave the guys a day off. Um, when was it in training camp and the media headlines were like, how could he do this? Yeah. Why would you do that? Well, because it's a give and take with these players. It's a very healthy give and take with these players. They respect him. They echo his message. So honestly, I'm very, very excited to see what they're going to do this week against Green Bay. I think it's, you know, Green Bay is not the best team like we've talked about, but I just never count Aaron Rodgers out either. Um, Yeah. You know, it's as a Cowboys fan, I think naturally you just have this anxiety when it comes to playing Green Bay. And I think when your fandom kind of started in the Tony Romo era, specifically, you know, speaking for myself and you had to go (laughs) through the ice bowl and the no catch in uh, real time. And that was like, you're really in it at that point. Look, Green Bay will forever be tainted in my brain. Okay. Forever. And I think you can relate to that. Like it's, I don't care if they're not doing well this season. It doesn't mean they're still not a threat because at this point you're officially in the second half of the season where every win matters, every loss matters. And not to say that they didn't before, but that's to say you had a little leeway because there was just so many games, you know, ahead of you of the season. Now time's going to start to dwindle down fast. The first half of the season went by very quickly. The second half, I feel like flies by even faster and playoff contention starts to become more and more of a conversation. You start to put the pieces together a little bit more. You know, it's an exciting week. But yeah, I, I think you're you're hitting the nail right on the head with how these players are going to act and treat this game. Well, and you mentioned playoff time. It, it comes up fast and pieces about what you're missing or what you might be wanting to add uh, to the roster. You know, you mentioned you weren't on Twitter for the bye week, but of course, uh, it wouldn't be a bye week and a Sunday football game without the Cowboys being in the headlines. Uh, and it was reported uh, by multiple people, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, 
that OBJ is going to be highly considered uh, by the Cowboys front office uh, for a free agent for somebody that they want to sign and that they're going to want to make a push for. Uh, Jay Glazer reported that he will be medically cleared as early as the end of this week. I've seen other reports that the beginning of December. So again, timeline is between now and whenever December rolls around. So I will throw it to you first. Uh, OBJ to the Cowboys. Yay or nay? Why or why not? I'm going to go yay. And it's because it's OBJ. Like, you don't even have to say his full name. You say OBJ, and everyone goes, what about him? I mean, hey, I what I think OBJ can bring is value. And I will never say nay to a player that I think can bring value. He brings veteran leadership. Man just won a Super Bowl. I mean, come on. He, he knows a thing or two. And let's be honest, I would love to see him have a catch of the Cowboy <laughs> that he did against the Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew I, I knew you were going to say that. I'm being selfish. But, you know, but OBJ is just a brilliant, brilliant football player. He's his quickness, his speed. He is speedy. He knows what he's doing. He knows his routes. Man, OBJ is just such a such a dominant player when he's at his best and he's on the field. So what I think, you know, obviously the conversation is going to come up with any star player in the Cowboys. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you don't know that at this point, you're living under a rock because anytime there's a star player that's up for grabs, how many times, nine out of 10 times automatically, Oh, are the Cowboys going to get him? That's just America's team things. Right. But OBJ absolute yay. I think he can bring value. I think he can bring leadership and, you know, I, I've heard a lot of the rhetoric of him maybe being disruptive to the culture in the locker room. And here's my thing about that is I think a lot of what OBJ does is, first of all, it's always been out of passion. I think you want a passionate player of the game. But second of all, he was young. I mean, how many of us have lived a life and did something you know, out of emotion or out of passion as, as a younger person. Uh, not me. I was a straight error. I did nothing wrong. <laughs> I know other than Brandon, of course, but you, you know, he's put on just this different kind of level of scrutiny that I think is just so unfair for him. Um, and I don't think he would be disruptive to this locker room. I think that rhetoric is so old and outdated and doesn't allow Football, it doesn't allow football players to be human is really what it doesn't do. It enables them to be in this little tiny box to say, this is forever who you are, which is not realistic for a football player. It's not realistic for any kind of human. I think people grow. I think people change. And I think OBJ, he hasn't had his name in headlines for doing anything negative in years. So I think anybody trying to spread that rhetoric right now just hasn't been paying enough attention to him as a player and what he has accomplished. So I'm going yay for OBJ if it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I look at it, uh, believe me, I, I would love to have him. I think that anytime you can add talent to your team, I think it, it's an advantage. I think what it comes down to is price. You know, how much are the Cowboys willing to pay for somebody like him? Uh, we Again, we, when we were talking about the trade news and what didn't happen, happen there was a price that that they were capping at what they were willing to give up and I think the Cowboys the best thing that they that they are and sometimes fans that they don't like it is that they are very strict with what they're not willing to spend for something because they value okay we we know what our team is um you know they traded for Jonathan Hankins to fill a need uh in run defense and you look at somebody like Odell Beckham he immediately upgrades the wide receiver room and like I mentioned last week on our podcast there hasn't been a wide receiver for the Cowboys this season with over 100 yards and that's like the first time that hasn't happened in a very long time I think I look at it two ways if he's in the in the locker room like you mentioned people are saying oh he would be a distraction I don't think so like you mentioned he's an older guy now he's more mature there was a, a preview clip uh, on Twitter from complex sports there was an interview that he did and he was talking about how you know, he has a select few teams that he kind of mentioned. Cowboys were one of them. But he said he wants to play for a contender, and it looks like that he wants to play somewhere where he can kind of plant roots a little bit and kind of finish out the rest of his career. And he said it doesn't necessarily mean that the three, four years in the future are going to be the end of my career. But he said, 
I've been to this sort of rock star lifestyle where it was about the money. It was about the flash. And I think that when you have an ACL injury two years in a row and you're just constantly rehabbing, like those are dark days where you doubt yourself as a player um, that you might not be able to do this anymore. That humbles you very, very quickly. And I think that OBJ has matured a lot because of the trials and tribulations that he's gone through. So like you mentioned, Jess, I think he's a completely different player. I'm interested to see, you know, the rest of that interview because I want to kind of get where his mindset is at. But I do think that, like you mentioned, uh, or like I mentioned, uh, the the price, I, I, I kind of attribute it to like a lottery ticket. You know, the Powerball is at an all-time high right now. So, you know, hopefully, maybe maybe this will be the last podcast I'm on because I win the Powerball. Um, I hope it probably won't be. Definitely not. You know what? Here's the biggest thing. If you win it, just don't tell anybody. <laughs> exactly. Don't tell anybody. You see? So now you know. So now y'all know if Brandon doesn't show up to this podcast anymore, he won the lottery and we're all asking him for money. So you sold yourself out. This is true. Uh, <laughs> I, I look at the, you know, how much of your, uh, of your own money are you willing to invest? And I don't think OBJ is the, the Powerball prize. I think he's the lottery ticket in this scenario where you could pay you know, X amount of dollars for this one lottery ticket to increase your chances to get to the prize, which is the Super Bowl and playoff contention and a successful season. But that lottery ticket, it's boom or bust. And you look at somebody coming off of an ACL injury, like the Cowboys are already dealing with that in Michael Gallup and fans have already criticized him for his lack of contribution coming back from ACL surgery. And this is somebody who the team has had in season, uh, you know, for, for the whole off season. Um, and with the trainers, with Britt Brown, OBJ, you know, getting medically cleared by somebody that is that an independent doctor that like the NFL, uh, teams are looking at as somebody as credible, or are they going to have to have him come to the building and then assess him and see where he stands? So it, it is a very gray area. Do I think he adds value to the team? Absolutely. Do I think that the cost and price, like I, I'll go maybe, I don't know, one year, six million something like that five maybe but when you talk about a longer term deal that's like i said before money that will possibly be going to someone like a cd lamb um and i've heard also too like oh this will be a, just as a distraction as when greg hardy was here no 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 like that is not the case that's not what it would be at, at all and like you mentioned, his veteran leadership, I think, would help somebody like a C.D. Lamb. Um, and people were saying he's taking snaps away from Noah Brown. I think the minute you bring somebody like OBJ into the locker room, it shows the locker room that you care and you want to win. Like they, the players know that they're a better team with OBJ on the roster. They're not oblivious to that fact. You look at a uh, Bears team who the Cowboys just played. They're getting rid of all of their player, their star players on defense. And a lot of their players were coming into this this game uh, against Miami saying, uh, do we even try? Like, do we even play when, when we know that the team is kind of being dismantled? So I look at it both ways. Me personally, I'm probably like 60-40 on bringing them in versus not. Um, but I don't, again, like what we talked about, they're a six and two team. They they're six and two for a reason with the people that they have. And Dak has only been healthy for two and a half games. So the, the, you still have the rest of the season to figure out who you are with Dak Prescott. Oh yeah, completely. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, it was um, a long stump speech, just like you were talking about with Dak Prescott a few weeks ago. Man. It, it, it's, are you going to add dramatic yeah. music to that one? Because I was... Look, probably not. I, I don't want to, I don't want to toot my own horn too much. It's only fair, <laughs> but I will say, um, you know, as far as any concerns, maybe injury wise, very valid for, you know, for anybody to, to think that, but I think as far as being medically cleared, if the Cowboys were to pick him up, Britt Brown has such an incredible staff. I mean, you're talking about the same uh, medical staff that one got Jalen Smith's knee recovered. That, like that, that was incredible medical work in itself. You're also talking about the same doctor that rehabbed Damone Clark recently from a spinal fusion surgery in yep. months, and he's on the field and he's playing. Not even a year later. I mean, you're talking about an incredible group of medical staff. Um, so I, I get it's very valid because OBJ is now an older player. Um, and I say older and that it just, it's so funny to me. We talk about these 20 year old, 30 year old men as if they're so old, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but in football, you know, it's, it's older. They, they take a lot of beatings and, and hits on their body. So naturally, you know, I, I get it. I get that conversation. But if the Cowboys pick him up, just know all of the hype you all hear about Britt Brown and his medical staff is for a reason. I mean, they do incredible, incredible medical work 
that I mean, you can't even put words to you. You just those two examples, Jalen Smith, Damone Clark, two in incredible examples of what that medical staff can do. So, um, yeah, I, I understand that that point completely, but just wanted to throw that out there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Normally on the podcast, we talk about our top 10 rankings. But of course, when it's a bye week, nobody's playing. So what do we do? Well... It's the midseason standings. Again, we're ranking all these guys week after week. We're adding points to it. You may not remember what the point system is, but that's okay. I did all the math today. We're, we're fine. I'll lay out the top 10 and where it sits right now at the midseason. Uh, it's actually pretty surprising um, when there, there's, there's a few ties uh, along the way with, with points. Because, um, again, we've had guests contribute. So if you think that Jess and I are a little biased, we've had some outsiders come in and contribute as well, too. Uh, you know, I will start at number 10. And Je- this actually might make Jess pretty happy. It is a four-way tie between Sam Williams, Zach Martin, Tyler Smith, and your guy, Kevontae Turpin, at number 10. So you have a four-way tie. They total 10 points apiece. Um, talk about... I'll let you talk about your guy, Kevontae, and I could address the other ones if you want. You can you could rant about Kevontae, but uh, Zach Martin being a little lower than expected. Again, like I mentioned, offensive lineman, we don't really think about uh, too, too much when it comes to wins and stuff. But again, when you make the top 10 out of 53 you know, players, that says something. And Zach Martin continues to be one of the best players on the Cowboys. I was going to say, I feel a little disrespectful to <laughs> Zach Martin having him at number 10 because you just know what a staple he is to the entire team and that O-line specifically. I mean, Zach Martin is arguably the best player on the Dallas Cowboys. I, I just say, I say facts, people. That's, that, that is a fact. That is what it is. But, um, yeah, I was I was shocked by that. You said Zach Martin. I went. What? I know. I know. That's kind of wild. Uh, Sam Williams. I'm not surprised by any means that he made the list. Um, and and not to say he made the list lower because, like you said, this this was a lot of math that I'm sure you had to do. And thank you so much for doing that. Um, <laughs> kudos to you. Hey, a journalist fun. doing math sometimes doesn't work out too well. But <laughs> listen, I got an A when I was in community college, so we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I'm glad you agree. I'm glad, you know what, every journalism major probably went into it because they don't like math or science, um, you know. But, hey, Sam Williams being on there. Who else did you say? You said Kevontae Turpin and who else and was on there? And then Tyler Smith, the rookie. Tyler Smith. Okay, yeah, I think that's great. I think um, all very doable. I'm just surprised Zach Martin is not higher up. I think Kevontae Turpin, I'm always going to say he should be a little higher up. But to be fair, it really wasn't until – couple weeks into the season we started seeing more and more of him um to really be like oh wow and that was only because he had that um return home in in the preseason right so we had our eyes on him but I think he really got productive found his speed after he got kind of those first couple of week jitters off of him during the regular season but I you know I can rant about Kevontae Turpin and what value he brings I've done it before so I won't repeat myself here but i will say that's a solid four in a four-way tie for number 10 i love that no us uh, i know so great already exactly uh (laughs) number nine was actually very polarizing and i say that it's a it's another tie but between two guys where one came on very early and has slowed down and one came on late because of certain circumstances at number nine we have dak prescott and dorance armstrong tied and i think that also shows how don because i don't think 
neither of us in episode one had Dak Prescott on our list because of how bad of a game he had and, of course, getting the injury. But that just shows in the previous two weeks with a couple guests that we've had on and mostly us how much confidence we've had in Dak uh, to say that he's one of the better players on the team to make the top 10, but also Dorrance Armstrong to stay in the top 10 after a sur- like a surge that he had in the beginning of the season. So talk about those two guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, you already know Dak would be much higher if he played this season in its entirety, but I am glad to see he's made the list, the the our mid-season top 10 list, right? Um, and, guys, this might look completely different by the time the end of the season comes oh, yeah. up. Don't take this for what it is now. Just wait until the end of the season. Hopefully, we're talking post-Super Bowl about this. But, you know, anyways, we're moving on. We're manifesting, but we're moving on. Dorrance Armstrong, yeah, I think he had a very productive first half of the first half. Um, Talk about not being able to do math of the season. But I think the thing about Dorrance is when I was on um, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom show last week, this was a player that was mentioned as being underwhelming lately. And... I think it's just a product of the amount of depth within this defense. Yes, that is anything. exactly what I was going to say. I mean, man, it's so ridiculous that we sit here and we're like, oh, he's been so unproductive. Really, go look at what he's doing. Like, it's it's almost just a spoiled brat of me to sit here and say that. But again, it is a product of depth, I think, at this point. And also a guy that we didn't expect to be on any sort of top 10 list going into the season, how he's replacing Randy Gregory essentially on that side. And I think that the expectations were so low and the fact that he's this high, I think is great for his development. Uh, number eight, you have two more uh, of your guys, another tie. And and this is also the first time Jess is hearing this list. Normally we'll, we'll prep the show, but a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, she has no idea. I, I came up with these totals myself, so uh, I could be lying. And I'm just coming up with, with just random names. I'm going to, I'm going to give you scouts honor here. And, and say <laughs> <I believe you. laughs> so at number eight, we have Noah Brown and Brett Maher. I think again, two guys at like with Dorrance Armstrong, that we did not expect to be near the top 10 of the Cowboys roster this season. I don't know what you're talking about. I always expected the best out of Brett Maher. I've never said anything (laughs) negative about him ever in my entire existence on this earth, ever. Never would I ever do that to our king, Brett Maher. Oh, Oh my goodness. How dare you ever accuse me of that? Um, No, but really, I I think – you know, it's very valid. It is very valid after the first season he had with the Cowboys. Why immediately, you know, during training camp, we heard Brett Maher was in, uh, you know, training and potentially making his return. And all of us were like, excuse me, this is nightmare fuel. What is going on? Um, No, did we not forget the Brett Maher we saw when was it 2018? No, thank you. Um, Reasonably so. But I think what Brett Maher did is, you know, when he returned, he talked a lot about, and this is back in training camp, he talked a lot about, he kind of did some soul searching, kind of did some reflective work to where back then he wouldn't sit there and reflect to what he did wrong. Now you see a guy that's accountable, a little bit more mature, and has that kind of mentality that, hey, I have to hold myself accountable to be better. And that's, you know, I love that kind of growth from him, from anybody else. So Brett Maher, I'm so proud of you. I mean, really, you're talking about a guy who has carried the weight of the points, majority of the points this season on his leg. Like, thank you, Brett Maher's leg. We appreciate you. Um, so, yeah, all for Brett Maher. And uh, Noah Brown, I'm so proud of him. Oh, yeah. I, I, it just makes me kind of emotional to think about it because he was somebody, again, you want to talk about a guy who you never expected to be on this top 10 list this much, but you also never expected to be as productive. I mean, you saw bursts of what he could have been in special teams for, you know, uh, the last year, I think specifically queuing in on the last year before this season, you saw bursts of, of Noah Brown and you were like, Oh, that was good. Because when he would make a play, um, you'd be like, Oh, Okay. Okay. No, Brown, we see you, but it's not just, we see you anymore. It is, Oh, you are that guy. You are a grown man, Noah Brown. I mean, talk about a redemption story who, you know, this guy started out as a special teams guy and that was really his bubble. And now look how productive he is. I I mean, for a while there, he was, he was, 
even having the headlines be, you know, is this your wide receiver one? Is CD not wide receiver one? That is huge. Huge for Noah Brown. Good for him. I love to see it. And you you mentioned wide receiver one, number seven and number six. These are two guys that I think a lot of fans might not expect to be at the top 10 because of uh, early season lack of production potentially. But at number seven, we have Zeke Elliott and number six, we have CeeDee Lamb. And I think that that's because they've been steady Eddie, you know, throughout the first part. Uh, Zeke, I know we had both of him at our number one spot uh, on the Eagles game. Um, and he's been near the top for, for a lot of our lists. But I think that these two guys have just been cons- consistent. And I think that's the perfect spot when you look at seven and six of a top 10 list. That's right down the middle. Not great to be in the top five, but also not bad to be 10 or below. Um, so I think that those two guys, they've been solid contributors. But I think, like you mentioned, by the end of the season, I think that they might be rising up the list a lot more. Now, they have a lot of people to beat and a lot of uh, votes to beat, um, but I think that their trajectory is on the rise for the second half of the season. Oh, perfectly said. And I think as far as CeeDee Lamb goes, that is fair for him. I think anybody who scrutinizes that of him, you know, you also can't say what he could have looked like had Dak been in the entire entirety of the season. I think a lot of this list would look so different. I even want to go on a ledge here to say the Eagles would no longer be undefeated if Dak Prescott was a healthy Dak Prescott, yeah. right? And yeah. I don't – I just – I think – Yeah, like you said, Zeke is just such a consistent staple for this offense, and he has been consistent. Um, But I also think you add in a factor of he's part of a one-two punch. He's a yin and a yang. So consistency is key here. And I think for CD, you're going to see the best of him these next few weeks. Number five, we have somebody who we figured would be at the top of this list coming into the season. We have Trayvon Diggs. But there's a guy who also shares the top five spot. And that is a Mr. Cooper Rush at number five. And I think that also pays tribute to the production that he had for the Cowboys early in the season, going four and one when Dak was injured. Uh, We know how good he has been for them, at least contributing to wins. Maybe that in the statistical category, but again, a guy who's the definition of consistent. And when across the league, there's backups playing that are losing games. The fact that Cooper Rush is only losses to the undefeated Eagles I think that that says something about him and what he's meant to the Cowboys this season. And not only that, but he barely lost Ah. to the undefeated Eagles. And it was his fault too, you know? So it's like, you can't blame on anybody else. I mean, it was his fault, but that doesn't matter. He still got the team four wins when like everything was going against them. I mean, when you look at, you know, post Tampa Bay game, um, I remember walking out of the stadium and as soon as the tweet started coming in that Dak was, you know, injured, it was a throwing hand. At that point, it was like, is he out for the season? Everybody, we walked out of there so deflated and so defeated. Like, oh, the season's over. I mean, literally, like everybody walking out of the stadium thought the season was over. Cooper Rush did absolutely what Cooper Rush needed to do and what every backup quarterback is expected to do. It's just I feel like nobody knew what to expect out of him because we hadn't seen a lot of him. And so, yeah, Cooper Rush absolutely deserves all the credit. I think that's a name that uh, you probably won't see this high again on on this <laughs> list specifically um, because we are hoping that Dak Prescott, says, Dak Prescott stays healthy and we don't have to see Cooper Rush again. Not because we don't like Cooper Rush, just ideally <laughs> we want our QB1 in. Uh, number four is a player that I think Jess was on top of uh, from the very beginning, from the get-go. Uh, it is her guy, Donovan Wilson, with 29 votes. Uh, an absolute stunt. It, it, production has tapered off just a little bit. But again, when you're playing at a Pro Bowl level for the first half of the season and you have one or two games where you're not doing as well, I think we'll cut him some slack uh, for what he's been for this defense and the secondary part of the three-headed monster uh, for Dan Quinn's defense. And something else about, you know, the production note for him or just any players, you're looking at the production from the beginning of the season, which everybody's fully healthy, everybody's well-rested. You know, I, I think when you think of defensive guys specifically, you don't realize how much of a beating their body is getting over the course of these last few weeks. I mean, just imagine a 200 pound man just coming at you for three hours, okay? 
And then you have to wake up the next morning, go to practice and do it again. And then do that all week and then have more 200 pound men coming at you the next weekend. And you don't get a break between that. That is extremely, extremely wearing on any kind of body. So I think, you know, when we talk about slower production, you you know, you might not see these guys pop up on the injury report. It's just going to be more of a wear and tear situation, I think. And I think Donovan Wilson's a perfect example of that. But that to say, we are now post bye week. So I think a lot of these production conversations are going to flip a little bit. So I'm excited to see more of Dono. I'm so excited. I'm so proud. I feel like a proud big sister because we're officially at the age, Brandon, where we are older than some of these guys. Uh, I know. Please, please do not remind me. It it makes me want to vomit every time I I see somebody's uh, draft uh, profile and I see, you know, 20, 21, 23, and even 23. I'm like, ah, those are the days. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm old. Um, that's cool. And everyone, you know, people probably listen to this like, no, y'all are not old. Uh, well, we're officially at the age where we are older than these players. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> and three and two, uh, two guys again, um, very important to a lot of the wins that the Cowboys have had so far. Tony Pollard at number three with 32 votes and Demarcus Lawrence at number two with 34 votes. I think Tony Pollard's production, again, has been coming on more recently, and I think that the Lions game and then the Bears game had a lot to do with that. But when we, when I was thinking about even the Giants game, he was very productive against the Giants. And this is a guy where it's another guy like Donovan Wilson where they're in this contract year that they're going to be making big money, hopefully with the Cowboys in the off season. But these are guys who are performing well when it matters most. And they've been big contributors to the, to the team. And Demarcus Lawrence, he was quiet for the first two weeks. And then he had the giants game where he absolutely blew up and he's been great and exceeding expectations since then. And he's just the perfect compliment to another player who will be, who will be talking about. Um, but I just think that Demarcus Lawrence has been um, a very underrated player uh, this season and has been an all-star for the defense. Yeah. I think going back to Tony Pollard real quick is um, <laughs> the thing about Tony Pollard is I think we didn't see a lot of him because of the play calling. I don't necessarily think it was a lack of Tony Pollard production. I think it was a little bit of adjusting to a different style of play calling. And I think you see the best of Kellen Moore's play calling when you have both Zeke and Tony playing and doing the interchanging and you, you don't let defenses guess to what's coming next. And I think the unpredictability that sometimes is lacking you know, it, it, it shows when it, when it shows, but what is amazing about Tony Pollard is again, I think this rhetoric of, Oh, I don't know if he can handle it. It came from the outside of the building because nobody in that building was questioning if Tony Pollard was ready to step up. If Zeke couldn't nobody, not one person, not one player, not one coach that was outside noise. So what I want Cowboys fans to grasp on is Pick who you listen to very wisely because a lot of it is outside noise. A lot of it is outside noise. And it's just so important to use your best judgment when it comes to things um, uh, of speculation. And we all speculate about things, right? But just use your best judgment because Tony Pollard ever being questioned is crazy to me because he hasn't proved otherwise. When has he ever proved he couldn't be productive? I think he's having his best season so far, um, obviously. And we, we saw that with the Bears game, arguably. Uh, not even arguably. That was the best game of his career so far. And I say so far because I have confidence that he could continue to do that. I, I really do. But I think it just uh, him and Zeke together, just gosh, what a, what, a, what a combination for us. We're spoiled. As for Demarcus Lawrence, oh my goodness. What a legend. I, you're talking about a guy that looks like a vintage version of himself, which is scary considering he's gotten older and wiser and he looks like a vintage version version of himself. That's terrifying. Uh, I wouldn't want to be against him at any point. No, thank you. It looks like he's playing angrier. You know, like he just has like something to prove. And like we heard about in the offseason, how him and Micah, like he felt like that there was a disrespect of why like people were thinking Micah would lead the team in sacks. He's like, listen, I'm still here. Like I've proven that I can play at a high level in the NFL. It's like, why not me? And 
Um, you, you mentioned like the outside, outside noise. This is why everybody has to listen to blogging the boys and the writer's block podcast. This is exactly what we're here for. Uh, n- number one is the like unanimous number one, uh, in Micah Parsons at 62 votes. So DeMarcus Lawrence was at 34. Mike is at 62. I think that there's there there have been times where Micah wasn't number one on our list, but he's still I don't think he's ever been left off the list. I'll say that when I was looking at it and, you know, especially recently, he's just been getting better and better and better. You know, he had the great performance uh, when he was battling the flu, the illness against the Giants, um, the one leg game against the Rams like the, there's still half a season left to be played. And Mike is playing at an all pro level through eight games like it's just it's unbelievable and that's why I feel like the bye week came at the perfect time he's getting healthy clearly he was gassed on the bench when he was sitting after the Bears game I felt so bad I was like dude like you need to rest like please get out of the game I don't know why you're still in but he deserves all the credit in the world and I think that this team I've always been saying that this team goes as far as Dak Prescott goes I think right now with the defense leading this team and the offense will show up but I think that the defense being the identity of this team this team goes as far as Micah Parson goes. Oh, 100%. And I think as far as D-Ware, D-Ware, oh my goodness, hello. Hey, listen, they're, they're oh on the same goodness. level. They're on no the back. same level. Look, I was just going <laughs> to, I jumped ahead of myself. I was going to say, it puts Micah Parsons in the same conversation as these guys like D-Ware. Absolutely. That's where that came from. But I was talking about D-Law. D-Law, it's uh, it's bringing, new, bringing a new fire in him, I think, to play with Micah because it's a fun, competitive nature. Like, they have their little bet going uh, throughout the entirety of the season, which we still don't know what their bet but they have that going. And I think anytime you can bring that kind of camaraderie to the locker room, that's amazing. So Micah is such a locker room teammate guy, and he is just so, so impactful on the field, obviously. In stats, he's killing it in these stats. But what's crazy about Micah is what does not show up on the stats. And I will preach this day in and day out is how impactful he is for other players that are being productive. Absolutely crazy how much of a threat Micah Parsons is for anybody that has to go against him. And I feel bad for them too. I mean, dang, do you want a tank and a lion coming at you? Not me. I wouldn't. That, that that's a perfect I, I that never crossed my mind that combining the two it's like wow those are the two worst possible scenarios uh happening um when we usually record it's always post game so we never get the chance to analyze uh the matchup for the weekend so before we end the show I just want to get your initial thoughts from uh Green Bay versus Dallas this weekend you know what's something that you're looking forward to I know it's Mike McCarthy coming back to Green Bay but is it a certain matchup I know right now the Green Bay Packers like we said that they're a shell of themselves and what they used to be but what's something that you're kind of looking for uh this weekend what I want to see out of the Cowboys this weekend against Green Bay goes along with their theme of the year, which is redemption, because I think this is such a redemption game for so many reasons. It's generational at this point, uh, generational redemption. It's for Mike McCarthy. It's for Dak. I mean, you just look at how much these guys have to play for this week, because I think the easy headline is, yeah, Mike McCarthy's going home, which he is, but um you're also forgetting this is this was a Dak Prescott redemption as well. Dak gets to play this game. And then you have just the generational trauma that Green Bay has given Cowboys fans, right? But um, as far as a football matchup, what I'm looking forward to the most, I think, is seeing how productive... I'm going to say the wide receivers are going to be, especially after after a week of trade talk and scrutinizing the wide receiver group. I want to see Dak Prescott gelling a little bit more uh, with the wide receivers. I also want to see, um, what do you call it? Oh, there we go. I want to see Kevontae Turpin a little bit more integrated. I want to see if he's going to get more catches. And of course, here we go. Kevontae Turpin is taking it home. Turpin time calling it now i'm gonna call it every week because it's gonna happen at some point yeah no i i wasn't even thinking about the the wide receiver noise that's been happening during the bye week and how they they have something to prove and it's the perfect you know scenario to do it um and listen if it gets mike mccarthy a win that's always a great thing right uh i i like the fact that it's still dak prescott versus aaron Rodgers, and i think that you know yes aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback but i think in 2022 I will take Dak Prescott over Aaron Rodgers. And I say that because there's a lot of drama 
right now in Green Bay that's never been there before. And the last time that I remember something like this is when Mike McCarthy's final season was happening in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers was very unhappy. And listen, Aaron Rodgers is, is one of the best, most talented quarterbacks in the game, and if not all time. You know, the guy's back-to-back MVP. But I think right now it, it's a situation where I will take Dak's leadership, his uh, mentorship, um, and his overall demeanor when things are struggling. Like Dak was able to come back after he was absolutely terrible in week one and came back and proved like, listen, no, I'm still the guy. I'm still a great quarterback and he still can get better. And he's just gelling back into the offense. So I think that Dak is entering this game as the better quarterback. And I think all Dallas fans should be happy with him being the quarterback. And I was also looking at a brief stat too, is that the Packers offense right now is ranked 27th in the NFL in scoring offense and their previous two seasons, they were number 10 and number one, both, you know, making it to the championship game. And the last time, like their, their point differential right now is a minus 34 in these games. Like they're just not scoring any points. The last time it was that bad was in 2018, which was Mike McCarthy's last season. And that was at minus 24. So not as bad. And their record was six, nine and one. So this really does feel like a Packers team that, while yes, like we said, the ghosts of, of Green Bay games in the past are always going to haunt Cowboys fans, but it, it does feel a little different. Like this feels like a beatable Packers team. You have Rashawn Gary. He's out for the season. Their, their star pass rusher with an ACL injury. Aaron Jones is dealing with a high ankle sprain that they did x-rays on uh, on Monday and were inconclusive. I think it's reported that he should be able to practice this week, but even that's up in there. The whole team is just a, a mess right now. So it's like you're catching these teams at a good time and you have to take advantage of these opportunities. Like there are no uh, woes given in the NFL, you know, week to week. Nobody feels sorry for you so the Cowboys have to go up to Green Bay yes win the game for Mike McCarthy but take care of business like you're the better team win and move on to seven and two yeah I think you're talking about a team that just doesn't have their identity whatsoever and it's it's weird I mean we talked about this with Scooter but what is going on across the NFL I mean never would we have ever thought we would be sitting here because I know a lot of us when we were looking at the schedule marked this week probably as a loss against the Packers not knowing that we would even have the better record at that point Um, so I think yeah you're talking about a team that doesn't have their identity established you're also talking about a team that is very injury um, it has the injury bug right now and the Cowboys coming off of a bye week with a fresh Zeke a fresh Micah uh, you know we hopefully Zeke will play and if not then you have Tony Pollard who was clearly productive and Malik Davis who um, also was productive um, and you also just have everybody coming off of just such a well and much needed refresher for this bye week because they were banged up I mean you you talk about Micah Parsons I mean you want to talk banged up Micah needed his bye week so I'm excited to see them all come back be productive and be healthy. Um, but yeah, you're, you're talking about a Green Bay team that I don't think anybody expected to look like they do right now, which is not a good thing. They are below expectations, not exceeding. Don't get it twisted. That's, that's a major difference. Well, and for us too, I mean, we're coming off our bye week. Like we are well rested. We're a well-oiled machine. Like we are roaring, rip-roaring, ready to go. Uh, yeah, Jess, sure. where? Yeah, sure. yeah, I know exactly. There's a lot of things going on, but you know, we're gonna power through just like the Cowboys. Uh, I mentioned my Twitter handle at the top. Where can people follow you uh, and all the lovely tweets, all the Taylor Swift stuff that you put out? Oh, I love Taylor Swift, y'all. It. I just gotta say, this time next week. I'm going to be a little short because Taylor Swift tickets will go on sale the next day. You won't hear from me on Tuesday until I get my tickets. So throwing that out there, I'm sure you'll see a tweet that's at Jess underscore on Twitter. Um, Yeah, go follow me if you want to see all things Cowboys, podcasts, dogs, and Taylor Swift because that's my entire personality just summed up. Awesome. And and well, as always, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the latest episode of the Writer's Block Podcast. The second half of the NFL season is here and buckle up because I'm sure that the Cowboys, they always make it interesting. I think that the best of the Cowboys team is yet to come and we'll see what happens. We'll talk to you guys next week. 